Namaste. Today we read a prayer that becomes even more interesting if we see the context. The prayer is written in Karaikal. And we know that mother had gone to Karaikal within few days of coming to Pondicherry because there was some, uh, some reason was there, some government work for which her husband had come and she had accompanied him to Karaikal. And we know that, uh, you know, the place where she stayed in Karaikal uh, was a very dark and dingy room where there were even white ants and etc. But uh, what is her experience when she is staying in such a place? I mean, that was the state in which in general things were there. Now we have uh, very nice uh, hotels and all this. But even while she is staying there, what is the kind of freedom in which she lives? We know how Shirobindo has described his stay in the Alipur jail. Now, of course, that is a extreme because there is uh, the danger from the British Empire, the risk of uh, going to the gallows. But here, staying for a few days, mother actually fell ill physically staying in that place. But what is her inner state? That is something which is very inspiring. And how when we... What happens to a person who has this complete freedom from the uh, release from the ego? How he should look at life? Normally, we are very attached to even our routine, even our external um, external activities. We get very attached in a certain way. But she is so detached uh, and so much living in the freedom of the infinite. I am reminded of this story of uh, Naga Sadhu who came once to uh, uh, the Delhi ashram to... Uh, probably say a few words and he came uh, uh, because he has to practice detachment so he he can't step on floor and therefore uh, disciples were keeping some leaf in front and he would step on a leaf then another leaf and so on. Uh, So at the end of all this uh, Taradi's father Sri Srinath Johar with his inimitable humor said everything is fine but you seem to be very uh, attached to your detachment. So, you know, we form certain practices, certain habits, which is all right because it gives a certain discipline to nature. But if we get too attached to them and we cannot allow certain variations, flexibility and plasticity, then that also becomes a hurdle in the free expression of the infinite. So this prayer is a beautiful prayer uh, revealing to us that aspect. Karai Kal, April 13th, 1914. All conspires to prevent me from remaining a being of habits. Habit of stay, we get attached to a room, a way of life and everything. And in this new state, in the midst of these complex and unstable circumstances, I have never so completely lived thy immutable peace, or rather the I has never so completely disappeared Leaving thy divine peace to live alone. So this is what she is teaching us through this prayer. How not to be attached to anything, any external routine. Well, it's okay to follow it. But if tomorrow, because of certain circumstances, situations, things are not exactly the way they should be, it's all right. We have to learn to surrender completely. It's very difficult. It may be regarding our sleep, maybe regarding food, the people we meet, maybe the time, everything. So she is showing us the way to be freed even from this mechanical routine of habits. 
and that brings the ultimate peace, the penultimate liberation. And what does she experience then? In those circumstances and surroundings, all is beautiful, harmonious and calm. All is full of thee. So how to have this darshan of the Lord? Every day we have see, we can see Him in countless ways. But just we need those eyes and it is these eyes that she is giving to us. Thou shinest in the dazzling sun. Thou makest thyself felt in the sweet breeze that blows. Thou makest thyself manifest in our hearts and livest in all beings. So this is the experience which Shurabindu describes in his uh, beautiful poem Who in the blue of the sky, in the green of the in the blue of the sky, in the green of the forest, whose is the hand that has painted the glow? When the winds were asleep in the womb of the ether, who was it roused them and bade them to blow? So um, she is teaching us how to find the divine everywhere, in the sky, in the sun, in the stars, in the moon. In the winds, the breeze, in the trees, in the animals, in everything that is around, in all and each and every circumstances, uh, in the heart of human beings, most of all. There is no animal, no plant that does not speak to me of thee and thy name is written on all I look at. So You see, this is how this experience starts, which culminates in seeing the divine with open eyes everywhere in um, Tokyo. But it starts from here. The sense that there is a divine presence. Even when we are not seeing, it speaks to her of the divine. The animal, the plant, the human beings, the inanimate objects. This is the grand vision and we see this is the grand vision even of Sanatan Dharma. People often say that we have so many gods and you know in Sanatan Dharma you worship the river, you worship the sun, you worship uh, you know uh, even stones. So well yes because everything is an object of worship because in everything and every creature God dwells. Even the snake is worshipped, the cobra is worshipped, there is an Nag Panchmi day and uh, you know every even uh, you know when there is pox there is a aspect of the goddess who is supposed to cleanse us. So she is called Shitla Mata. So every aspect was connected to the divine and was worshipped because in everything there is the divine presence. It's only later that when you know the wave of monotheism came of a very different kind that it finished this and Vedanta came up with a kind of Vedanta which abolished everything into a signless emptiness. But the fullness of experience of the divine in every creature this is what we have to recover and rediscover if we have to have a divine life upon earth. Otherwise, that Vedanta which abolishes life and creation as a maya and illusion, that won't do. That certainly will lead us to an impersonal divine realization of the impersonal Nirgun Brahman, but not uh, the Brahman in his infinite qualities and manifestation. Oh, my sweet Lord, Hast thou at last granted that I should be wholly thine and my consciousness definitively united with thee? So only when we see and sense the divine everywhere in each thing, each person, each event, circumstances, can we really belong to the Lord. Otherwise there will always be a division in an experience of the Lord within us and the life which is outside us. What have I done to merit so glorious a happiness? Nothing more than to desire it. And will it with constancy? That is very little. So she says, this is divine humility. 
that this is an experience which comes as an act of grace. It has nothing to do with human effort. Somebody may practice deep meditation for years and years, but with this ego remaining that if I do this, I will get this. And nothing will happen except the aggrandized ego of a Ravana. But to another, a Bhakta who surrenders himself to the Lord, waiting upon the Lord, that whenever you will, that time let it be, then who knows by this very fact of learning to wait in a state of surrender, brings that moment much nearer and much faster. Of course, it should not be done with this idea. But, O Lord, since now it is thy will and not mine that lives in me, thou canst make this happiness profitable to all and make its reason of existence the giving to the greatest possible number of beings a perception of thee. Because the very fact she is seeing the divine in everyone. Therefore, she can become a radiant instrument of a divine action. This joy that she is experiencing, which comes from sensing the divine presence in all things, by this very fact that she is seeing, sensing the divine presence in all beings, she can awaken that presence in everyone. So now she asks this state for everyone. She doesn't want to treasure it only for herself. Oh, may all know thee, love thee, serve thee, May all receive the supreme consecration. May all be happy with the true happiness. Sarve Bhavantu Sukhina. So this is where the individual yoga extends into a collective yoga. Collective yoga is not about having some gatherings, seminars and lot of people coming from talks for talks or uh, well having a large group numbers. That's, that's nothing to do with collective yoga. Collective yoga is where an individual extends his own realized states into others. It may be a loss to the individual but it is a gain to the sum total of souls upon earth and to that extent the Lord's work is done. You know, we have the story of that saint who got this mantra, Gayatri mantra from his guru uh, or some mantra from the guru but on condition that he will not share it with others. And he says, why? He says, because it's a very powerful mantra and it will give you moksha. So he says, all right. And then he goes out and the first thing he does is he calls everybody and says, I have that mantra which can help you all and gives this mantra to everyone. His guru gets very angry and curses him that you know you will go to hell for doing avagya of your guru. And he says, so be it, I accept it with my bowed head because I know that I have done something wrong and yet I know that how can I be happy with my own liberation when there are so many others who are suffering? Now the sentiment here, not the details of the story, is the same sentiment as of Amitabh, Maitre Amitabh Buddha, whose painting we find in Shurabindu's room, who, has, who is waiting on the threshold of Nirvana that may this state be discovered in everyone. So this is what she is aspiring. O oh love, divine love, spread in the world. Regenerate life, enlighten the intelligence, break down the dams of egoism, dispel the obstacle of ignorance and be the resplendent master of the earth. Now this prayer has a meaning because she has realized it inside. Even without it we can pray it but it carries power when we have realized the state within then very naturally, spontaneously, automatically and much more so when we thus pray and aspire the individual yoga spreads and becomes the collective yoga of earth. So it's a beautiful prayer, beautiful state to be in, released from our own limits, 
limits of the ego that comes by seeing the divine everywhere and a new possibility of work opens karai kal april 13th 1914 all conspires to prevent me from remaining a being of habits and in this new state in the midst of these complex and unstable circumstances i have never so completely lived thy immutable peace or rather the i has never so completely disappeared leaving thy divine peace to live alone all is beautiful harmonious and calm all is full of thee thou shinest in the dazzling sun thou makest thyself felt in the sweet breeze that blows thou makest thyself manifest in our hearts and livest in all beings there is no animal no plant that does not speak to me of thee and thy name is written on all i look at oh my sweet lord hast thou at last granted that i should be wholly thine and my consciousness definitively united with thine what have i done to merit so glorious a happiness nothing more than to desire it and will it with constancy that is very little whatever be our effort we will realize that ultimately they are nothing compared to the grace but o lord since now it is thy will and not mine that thou lives in me thou canst make this happiness profitable to all and make its reason of existence the giving to the greatest possible number of beings a perception of thee so this is a new starting point for her to extend everywhere and in everyone oh may all know thee love thee serve thee may all receive the supreme consecration oh love divine love spread in the world regenerate life enlighten the intelligence break down the dams of egoism dispel the obstacle of ignorance and be the resplendent master of the earth